one thing I know. I want you to go with me to John 9, 1 to 12. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither, neither this man or his parents sinned. He was born blind, so God's work might be revealed in him. He must, we must work the work of him who sent me while he stayed. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with his saliva and spread the mud on his man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as beggars began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were you eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. This is the word of God for the people of God. So one thing I do, one thing I ask, one thing is needed. And today we're going to talk about one thing I know. The good thing about this series that we have been preaching is that concentrate us and focus on what is important. Many times that we are, when we are stressed and we are, we feel that we, have, we carry the world, the weight of the world in our shoulders, we forget that many times we are carrying and focuses and things are, are not important at all. Sometimes we need to be shaken a little bit and understand that there's only few things in life that really matter. So we, we started this series, and Pastor Andrew wanted, wanted us to take our focus in the things that truly, truly matter. And it's funny when he said, oh, you're going to preach on one thing I know. And I kept saying, well, the only thing I know is that I don't know anything. <laughs> so I don't know how well we're going to do today. But there's a few things we do know that we can talk about. So this, this special um, story about this man that was blind is very, very interesting. First, when I read it, there was something that caught my attention constantly and kind of bothered me. And then I understood why. There's a lot of pride in that whole passage. If you read the whole thing, you see the miracle, and then you see the Pharisees questioning him, and, and then you see how Jesus brings everything to solve. But it's very interesting, as I was reading, there was something that come often, and he was pride. And it takes one to know one. So when you see a lot of pride in a passage, when you see something standing out to you, we usually read it and say, oh, man, these people were so prideful. Well, it takes one to know one, right? So the pride that we see here 
It's the pride that, in my case, I carry. When I read what the, what the um, disciples asked Jesus, they were walking alongside the maker of the universe. They were walking alongside God himself. And the thing that he asked is, who sinned? They wanted to label the men. They wanted to know, okay, we know that someone sinned here because this man is blind. And it's funny, God's, Jesus' answer was very interesting. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so what the, that the works of God might be displayed in him. Many times we think we know why things happen. Or we are quick to judge. So-and-so is in this situation because they made wrong choices. Do we know? Really? So it's that prideful mind that many times blind our sight. And we think we know. That is the worst kind. The, wor the worst kind of blindness is when we think we see. But in fact, we cannot see. And it's not one of that can be cured with one prayer. That kind of blindness, it's an ongoing process that we all endure in our journey as Christians. So God is telling us, pride many times will blind your sight. In thinking that you know more than others. When they asked that question, they were doing it from the position that we are better than him. Because he's blind, we're not. He's still in that place of blindness and we're not. Many times we place people in those places. And when we do that, we cannot help them. If we truly believe that we're better than people outside, we cannot connect with them. We cannot help them. Many people are in places or many people are in situations because Jesus wants the Father's glory to shine on them. In other words, you know, he didn't belong to any categories. What category of sin are we looking at? Many of our problems comes from that blindness. After saying this in verse 6, Jesus did something that it would offend many people. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on this man's eyes. If this was 2024, this blind man would have got so offended, I'm sure. And many people seeing him like, why are you spitting on the, why are you putting, everybody would have, you know, got a, what about COVID? And don't you worry about bacteria? And, you know, everybody would have had a fit if that happened in 2024. But Jesus did that and put mud. And many times he would put us in process that would feel offensive to us. But if we are obedient we may make it to the other side, seeing and not being blind anymore. I don't know in, in your position, but in, in, in my case, many times, many of my process with God has felt offended. He has asked me to ask for forgiveness even though the person offended me first. Or maybe it's being quiet even though people are insulting you and calling you names and saying, you know, lies about you. I don't know how that process to you, but process with God may feel offended. And, and that is the thing. This generation, we all get offended and everybody jumps. Why? 
Why do we get so jumpy about offenses, especially the church? We have been persecuted for 2,000 years. That's not new. We have been insulted and called crazy for 2,000 years. We should be the ones who have the tougher skin on earth. But we, we are still, our faith is still kind of fragile because sometimes we are so comfortable in our positions. We feel so comfortable. We, we take for granted the presence of God that is in this country. When, when, you know, sometimes we need to travel and when you get out of this country and you go to different countries, the environment truly feels different. And it's because we are so blessed in this country. We are sometimes too blessed for our own good. But God still worked his mercy on us. God still worked his, his precious love on us. And he's still processing us. And sometimes it's going to feel like he spits on your face. But that's okay. Because if we are obedient, we will make it to the other side singing. So this man, and it, what, the other thing that is very interesting is that he makes the mud, and then he asks him to go and wash. He could have healed him right there. Jesus did not need the mud. He did not need him to wash. The man needed the mud. The man needed to go and wash. And there's a part here that God is telling us there's a part that you and I need to do. He's willing and able to make and do the miracle. But there's a part that we must do as well. Sometimes we ask God for, for a miracle. and We ask God to do something for us. But we're not willing to do our part. So he, he needed the, the obedience of the man. The man went and he washed. And when he came back, he was another man. When he came back, now he could see. And he was so different that even people who knew him since he was a child said to him, no, this is not the man who was a beggar. And he was saying, yes, I am the man. No, he's not. He was saying, I am the man. And I tell you, this word will lie to us in our face. No, God doesn't exist. No, it's not true that Jesus is coming back. No, it's not true that God wants us to live holy lives. It's not true that God despised sin. The word will light in our face. But are we the ones who will say, no, wait a minute, one thing I do know. We'll be the ones who are going to stand up for what is right. Because we do know him. We don't know a lot of things. And as older I get, I realize, I'm not that old, but as older I get, you know, I realize that we don't know, really, really, we don't know. We truly don't know. When I had my, my, my daughter, I was 30, and I was, um, I remember I worked in labor and delivery for, I don't know how many years, um, six, seven years, and then I was part of hands, I was a hand worker. I, I worked um, with first-time moms who were in crisis, and I had all these head knowledge, I remember, and when they hand me my, my, my daughter, I remember thinking, now what? How, I, what? I don't know. I had hours and hours of um, training about breastfeeding. I couldn't breastfeed my own child. 
I had hours and hours about burping and hours and how to put them to sleep. And it was so different when it's you doing it. Doesn't it? Right? We realize we don't really know. Until we go through it, we don't really know. So we cannot assume that we know the pain that people are going through because we see it. We don't really know. We're truly blind to many things until we leave it. So this man was, was break free from blindness and was coming out, was coming back. And a lot of people was questioning him. So where is Jesus? And in, in, in um, verse 13, you see the Pharisees asking him questions. They were worried about the Sabbath, the day that he was healed. Oh, he was healed on a Sabbath. He was healed, but he was healed about a Sabbath, in a Sabbath. So, so God himself could not work on a Sabbath. Have you heard anything more ridiculous than that? But that's how we are many times. We're so bound to the rules that we think are important that we missed the best part. We missed the best part. So they ask him, so where is Jesus? Where he came from? What happened? Why you? And the man made the powerful statement, a powerful statement that's still truth today. And the powerful statement was, one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. I don't know who this Jesus is. I don't know who he came from. I don't know why he chose me. I don't know why he stopped. I don't know why he and his disciples were having a conversation about me with me present there saying the whole sin and whatnot. But one thing I know, I was blind. But now I can see you. So there's nothing more powerful than the truth. Let me repeat that again. There's nothing more powerful than the truth. And we live in a generation now that is your truth, my truth. What? My truth and not your truth. There's only the truth. But the world would lie to us constantly and deceive us and make us think differently. And unless we're rooted in this true, we can be deceived. It doesn't matter how long we can, be, we can be in churches. It doesn't matter how long we have been Christians for. Unless we are truly rooted and we live constantly exposed to the truth, we can be deceived. So what are the truths that we can rely on? One thing we know, one thing Georgetown first know is that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We know that. Because in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what is lost. One thing we know, we were all lost and he found us. It wasn't about you and I looking for God, believe me. We were in a desperate place, all of us. If you have had an encounter with Jesus... You were in a desperate place, empty. And if you haven't had that experience, it's coming. You will be in a place that the only option you have is him. And he will show you who he is. That's how we know that it's him. When no one else is around, when no one else can do anything for you, and he shows up. That's why once you get to know him, you cannot go back. When you see people going back to the world, you never met him. Because there's no way. There's no way. 
We can meet him. We can encounter his love and his passion for us and go back, go back and deny him. There's no way. So we know one thing, that is he is the Savior, not us. And it doesn't matter how, how much, sometimes we, we want to save people. And I, believe me, I am guilty of that many times. We want to be the ones rescuing people and doing things for people so they get to know Jesus. But you know what? He is the Savior. He's the one who paid the ultimate price for him. My job is to be a billboard of his grace. My job is to show the world that he can have mercy because I am not perfect at all. But still, he showed me mercy. And he can do it with them too. One thing we know, Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. Hebrew 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So it doesn't matter the struggle, the challenges, the trial, the storm, the disappointments. One thing we know, he will never leave you alone. And many times we feel, oh, God, I feel so alone. But the reality is we're not alone. We're never alone. It's funny when I see Christians going to different churches and they say, oh, God is not there. God did not, God is not there. God is everywhere. He's everywhere. How cannot God be there? Maybe we were not in tune there with him. Maybe he didn't move in a way that we see. But he moves everywhere. He's everywhere. So we think we know him and we know how he moves. And then we realize we do not know anything. <laughs> He has better ways to do it. Romans 8, 37, 39 said, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor death, nor either created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love this scripture because it tells me I cannot mess it up. You cannot mess it up. So don't worry so much about am I doing the will of God? Am I doing? Are you following Jesus? You're doing the will of God. Because there's nothing that can take you from his love. There's nothing that can take you from his hand. Nothing. And, you know, I don't know if you have experience like this, but, you know, I have some experience of people who can see demons everywhere. You know, and, you know, I don't know, I guess it's a gift. I'm, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see them. I don't, I'm not interested in seeing them. But one thing we know is that they're no more powerful than what is inside of me. They're no more powerful than what is inside of you. There's not, they're no more powerful. It doesn't matter the lies. It doesn't matter his plan. It doesn't matter the evil, what he plans against you. Nothing is more powerful than him. So we can rest assured in his love that we will be protected. And there's nothing I can do for him to love me less. Isn't that so amazing? There's nothing I can do for him to love me less. I can do a lot of things not to listen to him. I can do a lot of things 
to um, have bad consequences in my life. But he will still love me. He's still my father. He will still claim me as his own. Isn't that wonderful? That's why um, the um, Psalm uh, David said, regardless if mother or father will leave me, with everything he will take me. So he knew that he were not an orphan. He knew that he would never be dishonored because he had a father who is everlasting. Isn't that good news? Yes? Well, I'm the only one excited about that. Well, that's a good news for me. That's a good news for me. All right. So one thing we know, the third thing we know, one thing we know is Jesus is for me, not against me. And this is very important for us to remember. One thing I know, Jesus is for me, not against me. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So it doesn't matter what happened to you, what happened to me. It doesn't matter how many, how many doors people closed. It doesn't matter if somebody, you know, gossip against you. It doesn't matter if people invent lies against you. It doesn't matter if you didn't get the promotion that you applied for. It doesn't matter because God is for you. Jesus is for you. And all things will work for your good. Amen. All things that happen is for your own good. I don't know, but this, that is good news for me. Knowing that it doesn't matter what the devil plans and what he, you know, do and don't do. It doesn't matter because he cannot stand against me. Nothing can be against me because Jesus is for me. He's always on your side. He may not agree with you all the time. But he's always on your side. He's always guiding you for your good. That is wonderful to have a friend that is always on your side. Again, not always agreeing with you. But he will show you the way. He will show you the truth. Even if you're wrong, if you trust him, he will open your eyes and let you see. Our problem is sometimes we don't want the light on. Sometimes we like to live in that blindness. But he is for us. Another thing that we know as Christians, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13a says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I, this is a wonderful truth, especially, especially this time. Because there's so much lie out there. There's so much deceive out there. There's so much confusion about what love is. What love? What is love? Love is true. Love is true. And I'm going to let that sink in. <laughs> what is true is love. I'm going to let that sink in. <laughs> Love is true. And we can lie to ourselves all we want. But love is true. And the truth is that God, in order for us to have a relationship with him, he has boundaries. He loves us. But in order for us to have a relationship with him, he has boundaries. 
And if we want our, our relationship with him, we need to respect those boundaries as well. Just as we have love for our children, but we have boundaries with our children, we don't let our children speak to us the way that they want. And if you do let that happen, please correct that. You know what? Not so much for you, for his own good. Because if he doesn't, every time I'm correcting my kids about the way that he speak, they speak to me or my, or my husband, what I'm teaching them is what my parents teach me. If I don't teach you respect now, you won't respect the judge. You won't respect the policeman. You won't respect authority. So it's important for us to teach respect. And I'm going out of topic, but <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying this. But anyways, right? So one thing, even though God has boundaries, he loves me, but he's the same today and always. What it means, the same miracles that we read here, he can do it today. The same miracles that he had done 2,000 years ago, he can do them today. And you may say, why we don't see them around? Well, we live in a comfortable country. But go to other places when they have nothing. You want faith? I remember uh, I did a, a, a mission trip when I was 22 to Russia. And I went to, with this a, um, American church. We went to, the, to Russia. And they, we had cases of hypno books and ropes and a lot of things that I thought we didn't need. But, you know, I was going along with them. And all of that was taken from us. We couldn't take it in the train to the place that we were going. So we were worried, oh my gosh, all our books of contemporary music and all the things that we were going to give them, now they're gone. So we arrived after two days of traveling, we arrived there. And this church, the only thing they had was a keyboard and their voices. And they start praising God and oh my God. We start crying like babies because we could not understand, we could not believe the, the presence and the love and the connection that these people had to God because they had nothing. They had nothing else. So God is the same. Even though we don't see all the miracles, he's still the same. He's still moving in supernatural ways. And he's still inviting us in a great relationship with him. One thing we know is that he doesn't change, that he is the same, he's sovereign. And when, every time I think God is sovereign, it, it, it gives me peace because nothing can change him. No laws, no government, no president, nothing can change your God and my God. Nothing can change our sovereign God. So one thing we know, Jesus loves us. Jesus loves me. For this I know, and the Bible tells me. Romans, 8, Romans 5 a. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we were a mess. Even though we were not even born yet. Christ died for us. He died for you. But he also died for the ones who said that they don't believe, they don't believe him. He died for the ones who spit in, in God's face. He still he died for those who don't want anything to do with him. That is love. Being generous even though we don't deserve it or the other person doesn't deserve it. We know 
that he loves us because he gave us everything and asked for nothing. We know that he loves us because he's still inviting us over and over into an intimate relationship with him. We know that he loves us because he hasn't given up on you. How do you know? You're here. How do I know that God hasn't given up on me? You are here. And he hasn't given up on your kid. He hasn't given up on your neighbor. He hasn't given up on that family member that you keep praying, God, touch him. I want him to know you. God's still moving. He's, he hasn't given up. So don't give up. Don't think I'm, I'm done. Because he's not done. He's still working even though we don't see him. He's still working even though we don't feel it. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. Amen? One thing we know. In this world, we will have, we will face troubles, but take heart. John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, life is hard. Every time my kids say, that's not fair. That's not fair. Life is not fair. Who told us that life was fair? <laughs> life is not fair. And many times we don't receive things because we don't like the package that they come Many times you have prayed for a lot of things and you think, I don't deserve that or that's not for me. That's, how, that's why people were in Jesus' time were so blind that they didn't see. The maker of the universe was walking among them in a package that they did not understand. So in the world, we will have problems. Life will be hard. Disease will come. But, you know, those are opportunities for God to move in our lives. Those challenges are opportunities for us to grow. They're opportunities for him to make a miracle. They're opportunities for him to open our eyes. They're opportunities for him to make us humble. They are opportunities. But if we trust him... He will show his face, his mercy. He will see, he will, his light will shine when we cannot see. And I want to close with this, and this was not par, but my, my brother Mike, as we were talking about the sermon, the first, the first part, he, he brought this to my attention, and I do want to close with this. Because the same way that he opened the eyes of these men, he can open our eyes. I tell you. Spiritual blindness is not something that we don't suffer. We all have it in different areas. We cannot be so prideful. The world celebrates pride so much. I don't know why, because pride, it's, it's, it's a chain that bound us down. That don't, the, pride doesn't let us see who he is and who we're not. So the, um, sometimes, I forgot the line that we were going to. But sometimes we are so prideful that we, we, we are not in tune with God, with God, what God is saying. And these men found their right, their, their right turn. I want to read for you John 9, 9.35. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, 
Do you believe in the Son of Man? This man was kicked out out of the, of the synagogue. He, was, he received a miracle from God. I mean, the devil is not going to give him a miracle. I mean, he cared less if he could see or not. So he, they couldn't see it. So he received the miracle, and he got kicked out because of that. I don't know about you, but they have kicked me out some, some, some places. And it doesn't feel good. But this man, I'm sure he was confused. Like, what? God, Jesus come, God comes and heals me, and I got kicked out of the church? So he got kicked out, but Jesus found him. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the same question he's asking us today. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And this man answered, and who he is, sir, tell me so I may live in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and he's the one speaking with you is he. And he said, Lord, I believe and worship him. So we don't know the plans that this year may have. We don't know what may happen to us. We don't know what's going to be the future of the church. But one thing we know is that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is our Lord. And he's an everlasting father. One thing we know is that if we believe in him, we can also see. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word that challenges us to open our, our hearts and our eyes to you. There's many places that we have blind spots, Lord. We recognize that without you, we're blind. We need your light. But you say it here, as long as you are on earth, as long as you are with us, your light will shine. We ask for your light to shine on us. Break our chains of pride, chains that don't, set, don't, don't let us see you. And bring us closer to you every time, Lord. We trust in you. We believe in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.